Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This podcast is powered by SportString. Your digital water cooler. Stay fierce. Stay fierce. Uh, yeah. uh, stay fierce with Coach Val. Yeah. They gon' try to play you like you ain't being what you suppose. Try to keep you down, but you roll. Stand up for yourself, make them pay you just what you owe. Let them know you more than pedicure toes. Stay fierce. Yeah. Welcome back to the Stay Fierce podcast produced by Sports Drink. This week's guest is Mark Moyer. He is an author, athlete transition coach, and the founder of the Win Again Academy. He helps athletes transition from athletics to the workforce. This episode hit home for me because I struggled so much after I retired from the WNBA. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mark and I We'll talk about how female athletes are more likely to be prepared for life after sports, what most athletes need help with when transitioning from their sport to the real world, and how retiring from your sport can actually affect your mental health. You will also learn a surprising hidden talent that Mark possesses. Anyway, I hope you will get out of this episode as much as I did. I want to welcome Mark Moyer, athlete, transition coach, and founder of the Win Again Academy. Welcome to Stay Fierce, Mark. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure as always. Yeah. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Um, you were an executive recruiter and you have 25 years of experience helping professionals transition. What drove you to focus on athletes? Well, as you can imagine, since I've had that much experience, I started when I was four years old because um, <clears throat> that's why I'm only 29 right now. <laughs> but anyways, no, I, I did start a long time ago. But what, what happened was, you know, in, in the world of executive search and executive recruiting, the whole point is to create a marriage between the employer and the employee. And what I found in that in that world was that 
um, too many times the recruiter was too focused on just making a deal, making a placement, and they weren't too focused on really the needs of the individual. They were saying, well, look, the client is paying me a fee. I'm just going to fill it with somebody and see what happens. And I really started, I really didn't like that too much. I really was focused on helping the individual. And then, you know, back in 2008, when Lehman Brothers, um, they kind of imploded a little bit. And that was my biggest client at the time. I really started focusing on doing more career and business coaching of the individual and started doing a lot of that work. And then I started my own business about 11 years ago. And then about five years ago, I started working with athletes, but it really happened by accident where I was working with a retired hockey player and he'd been, he played for a long time, but then he'd been retired for about 10 years and he'd been basically just at home day trading and just kind of hanging out and his family sort of said, Hey, go out and get a job kind of thing. And he said, well, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Yeah. And he says, I'm just some dumb hockey jock. And I started speaking with him and we went from him being sort of really depressed and not knowing what to do. Um, we spoke about how he could leverage not just his athletic mindset and his skill set, but then also the fact that he was really interested in the markets by being a day trader. And then from there, we started reaching out to people. I showed him how to do the networking, how to meet people, what to say to them, when to say it to them, how to say it to them, when to follow up. And that ended up leading to some casual meetings that led to a couple of interviews and eventually an offer. And so within five weeks, he went from being on his couch to starting a job at a, at a financial services firm where he was on a trading desk and he was so wow. excited. And he said to me, Mark, you know, you need to help athletes. We don't get help. We don't get help from our league, our agents, anybody. And, um, I, I was really shocked. I, I just assumed that every single athlete lives in paradise, man. They, they, they retire and they're like signing autographs all day. And uh, I quickly found out that was not the case. And he says, Mark, you really should focus on athletes. And that's where we, that's where we are now. It inspired me to write my book and led me to where we are today. Well, when I retired from basketball, I was one, I was in mourning, right? Cause that was like yeah. my first love Two, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, my whole identity was wrapped up in the sport. I had no job experience. I didn't have, I didn't have a resume and I had my, my first job interview. I was 40 years old when I had my first job interview. So, um, what you're, what you're doing is, is so needed. They don't, they, I had an education. I only thing I knew about doing what to do after sports was becoming a coach. And that, that was it or running my own basketball camp. But nothing about um, going into the the corporate world and having a quote unquote real job. Um, in your experience, what do most athletes need help with? Well, just what you said. You know, really identifying. Well, what is your identity outside of sports? And then from there, understanding that you actually bring so much more to the table than you may think. Um, most athletes take so many things for granted that they have that non-athletes don't. Right. And uh, I was actually just chatting with an, an, another uh, a former baseball player just to, you know earlier today about this, that, you know, there's so many, I'll just list a couple of them, but, you know, for example, athletes are incredibly comfortable in front of a big crowd, in front of the media, in front of a camera, in front of, you know, fans, but also in front of and, and dealing with management and senior management. 
they're they're used to um, actually having several managers and coaches so that adapts into the corporate environment very well hmm. they're used to pivoting almost instantaneously and adapting very quickly given game conditions conditions right um so there's so many possible opportunities in a corporate world that you don't need to have gotten an MBA in or something in. Look, there's lots of positions that do need that, but there's so many that would take advantage of the fact that, Val, you could tomorrow step in front of a group of senior executives and give a presentation where all you need to focus on is what you're presenting on and the material, because otherwise you're comfortable in front of, in a pressure environment. You've been through that. And most, you know, 95% of the people out there are terrified on a stage or, in, you know, in front of people. So to me, the biggest thing is, yeah, the, to me, the biggest thing is really discovering, well, what would you love to do next? What would be, what, what could make you excited to wake up every morning to do? And I think it just, you know, it really boils down to, you know, discovering well, what is a secondary interest that you have that you really enjoy. It could be photography, it could be real estate, it could be fashion, it could be finance, it could be, but I've always told people, especially while you're still playing, develop a secondary interest that can turn into something when you retire, instead of telling an athlete, hey, here's your, you better start be ready for the, you know, your plan B, your retirement. People don't want to hear that stuff. Hey, I'm focused on playing, but Instead, if you say, look, develop a secondary interest that you enjoy doing, that's not just sitting at home or in your hotel room when you're on the road playing video games, instead of doing that, develop something you really enjoy doing. That is great advice. And that's advice that I have a, I have, well, I have two sons that play. One is in high school, plays basketball, the other one's playing um, college soccer at Amherst. And, um, what I do like about him is that he has other interests besides sports. I felt like I was just all basketball. All, I did want to go to medical school, but it was mostly just basketball. And then that was, that was it. And by the time I retired, I was like, what's next? And I developed a little bit of depression around the whole thing with, you know, my identity is gone. I don't have any purpose. I'm not waking up early for workouts. What am I, what am I doing? Um, have you had any athletes, develop depression or have problems with their mental health when they were transitioning from sports to the workforce or trying to transition? Um, Val, Val, every, uh, every athlete has developed that. I was talking to, you know, Marshall Falk was a, a guest in my, in my thing in, in the club room. And, you know, everybody talks to Marshall Falk about, oh, here's a hall of fame running back. Let's talk about all the greatest, this and your touchdown there. And, so forth. And then I said to him, look, tell me about your transition experience. Tell me about what it was like for you to leave the sport. And he says, well, I was really depressed. And I said, wait a minute, you're Marshall Falk. You're a football Hall of Famer, millions of dollars, homes everywhere. All this. What are you talking about? He says, well, look, I didn't have the fans anymore. I didn't have the adrenaline rush of competing anymore. I didn't have my teammates anymore. I didn't have my daily routine anymore. And now suddenly I'm at home. And I have nothing to do. And all I could say, think of was how much I missed everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, Val, to be perfectly blunt, every athlete goes through it. It doesn't matter if you're the, the biggest aide. I mean, I promise you Tom Brady will go through depression, different types of it, because he's going to miss being out there getting all, uh, you know, sweaty with the guys and all that stuff. 
that makes me feel a lot better because I um I was thinking, is there something wrong with me that I cannot transition seamlessly into this new life of mine? So um, that's why I think this message is important because one day everyone's going to hang up the sneakers, the cleats, the spikes, and it's going to happen. And I think the more we are prepared for it, the more knowledge we have to what to expect, um, it's going to make it a lot better. It's not going to make it, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to make it easier. Well, I think once you get more and more athletes talking about it and then more and more athletes sharing their experiences with other athletes, then it gets a little bit easier. I think that most athletes, they feel like they're the only ones, just like you said, the only ones going through this and they don't want to bother their friend. They'll, they'll look at the social media of their former teammates say, oh, sh- look at her. She's all over Instagram. She's so glamorous. She's crushing it. She's p- doing all these public speeches everywhere. She's doing this and that. Yeah. I don't want to talk to her about my struggles. I don't want to talk to, you know, but the, tr- the fact remains she's going through the same exact thing. It's just that that doesn't play as well on, on Instagram or whatever, social media. And I think once athletes realize they can really talk to each other about these things, um, I think it becomes a little bit not easy, but easier. Right. I'm just curious if there are any um, support groups out there. Um, none that I know of specifically. I think that, um, which is surprising. I know that there's some organizations that, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with Eric Cusin and Eric runs an organization called Same Here Global. But it's it's used to be called you know we're all a little crazy and uh, oh, yeah. he now has uh, yeah he now has um, you know a few hundred of uh, athlete sort of um, I guess what's he called them but um, supporters and so forth people that are members of this alliance and and they all share their stories but it's I think it's just I mean the the challenge is that an athlete becomes an elite athlete because they're very proud they're very skilled. They're very, um, they're, you know, I don't say the word ego, but they're very confident of their skill set and their capabilities. And now suddenly they're out and they're like, wait a minute, I don't even know what would I ever say on an interview? And they, they're almost embarrassed to admit that they need the help because they would never want to admit that in, in sport. So that's the big challenge. But I, I think that, I mean, look, part of what I'm trying to do is, is create that sort of support group, as you said, a community of athletes and others that get together to talk about this sort of thing. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I believe is, is incredibly, it's really, it's really important to do. And it's, I think the demand is probably there. It's just a question of people starting to pop those up. You know, I think it'd be, it'd be kind of neat actually Val, to have a, almost like a, a national, like a franchise thing where athletes can go, almost like i don't want to say like aa but almost like a um sort of a a group of places that athletes can go feel comfortable around other athletes and talk about this stuff i i agree because from outsiders looking in people will say oh you're an athlete you're you know national champion or you were an olympian what what are you struggling with? You got it made and no one knows how you're feeling unless you're, no one knows better than talking to another athlete that's been there and that could be, that can show the empathy that you actually need and validation that what you're going through 
is real. Well, the, the because again, um, our human nature is not necessarily to show that side, and instead, especially now with. And you know, I, I can't, you know, I shouldn't say younger people, but younger people tend to show all the fabulous, glamorous stuff that they do and not the challenges that they go through. Now, it's interesting because whether it's Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever it is, the, I think that the people that are resonating the most are the ones that are starting to show their flaws and their whether it's their dark side or the challenges they're going through. And so hopefully, and now there's much more dialogue about athletes that are going through some mental health issues, which even two years ago just wasn't happening. So I, I think it's encouraging that there's movement. You know, there's a lot, lot of, you know, a lot more to go, but it's starting to happen. Oh, I would not have, I, I took a season off from the WNBA because of depression and I wouldn't have dared said that publicly. The newspaper just said personal reasons. I mean, and I didn't tell mm -hmm. anyone about it until two years ago when I got on, on TikTok. I finally came out and said, this is what I was struggling with, which is what I still struggle with. And um, it, I was amazed by how many kids and adults resonated with, with that. Um, you're going to find that, I mean, 90, whatever, 5 or 8% of athletes, whether you're a... Uh, uh, sort of an A-list professional athlete or not, if you're an amateur or you weren't a professional athlete, you're a minor league, you know, baseball player or, or you know, a whatever tennis player or something, student athlete, everything. When you've dedicated your life or most of your life to playing a sport and training and having that daily routine and just having that mindset of an athlete and then, then that next day when suddenly they're like, you're done. And it's shocking. And every athlete goes through that, every athlete. And it's the ones that are sort of preparing themselves for it. I think it gets a little bit easier, but um, it's still tough. And I think that instead of sweeping it under the rug, people, if they acknowledge it and have conversations around it, that can be make things easier. Do you think that female athletes are more prepared since we don't have the big time contracts like a like a Candace Parker is not going to make as much money as a LeBron James and she's thinking more about what's going to happen after basketball? First of all, I think female athletes are smarter in general um, than male athletes. <laughs> Um, and I mean it in a way that I think that they're, uh, they tend to be more um, sort of measured and I don't want to say less cocky, but I think the ego is a little bit less in, in, yeah. with women, female athletes and they're more compassionate and they're more um, aware of um, uh, not just their bodies, but their minds. I think, I think, I think men tend to be a little bit more, um, sort of they keep things and in, they internalize their feelings and that sort of thing. Um, so with that said, though, I think also what you're saying is that um, that I think that women are more inclined to try to prepare for life after their sport better than men do because they they need to. And you know, obviously it's a discussion for a whole different day. But the 
with pay inequality and that sort of thing, especially in women's sports. But the, you know, the vast majority of women are not making enough to just retire on. They can't. So they need to be keenly aware of what, what are they going to do when they stop playing basketball or softball or tennis or whatever. And so I think that they tend to be more prepared and they tend to have more conversations, especially with their teammates and, you know, league mates or whatever it might be. I'm not even sure this is good to say this on a podcast, but when you were talking, I have access to um, someone at WNBA who talks, who communicates with, they call us legends, Mm -hmm. players that aren't playing anymore. And I just feel that the Win Again Academy would be some kind of a great resource. Would you mind if I try to connect you to? Of course, I'd okay. love to. That'd be great. I know that's I mean, not look, podcast I, stuff, but I just I'll, I'll oh, yeah, of course it, it is. Uh, I'll, I'll remind you. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> of course I will. But no, I listen. And whether it's me or anybody else, I just think that it's just um, you know I find that people that do some of the work that I do, the coaching, um, they're so much. They're so focused on Val. Let's get a nice resume for you together, and then we're going to send it to a thousand places, and we'll see what happens. And then maybe you'll have a few interviews. Good luck. I hope you do well, and good luck getting an offer, and we'll see you later. And I'm horrified to see that because they're not really preparing the athlete for that process. They're not preparing them for the conversations that they need to have and the outcome that needs to happen and I mean, it's interesting to see an athlete. I mean, athletes really struggle when they have to negotiate an offer because they're oh, like, shoot, wow. I never did that. Like that, my agents did that, yes, you know, whatever. Exactly. And now the agent's gonzo and now it's time that they need to talk about, well, so Val, how much, uh, you know, what are you looking for to work here at company ABC? And a lot of times they're like, I don't know. What do you want to give me? Wrong answer. <laughs> But, but, um, but I think that, look, I, I think that if, if the athletes were able to get even a little bit of a head start before they leave their sport, and if the focus is on developing something that they really love doing, then they won't be sort of forced to do something when they retire or they have to retire that they really don't want to do. Um, you know, I, I also notice that a lot of athletes, when they retire, they get approached by people that say, hey, Val, you'd be really great as a real estate agent. And then, you know, Val says, wait, what? I never even thought of real estate. And then then you then you start thinking, well, maybe I would be good at real estate. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then you end up doing something because someone else is approaching you with it. And my belief is that you should be in control of what you want to do and you decide what you want to do. So if you, if you said... No, I don't want to do real estate, but I, want, I really want to be a plumber or something. Well, why not? And then, then, we, and then we get you in front of other people that can hire you to be a plumber. Maybe that's the wrong choice, but you know what I'm saying. No, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Do you remember how we met? Because I, I can't remember how we met. Um, who did we meet? Who did we meet? Who introduced us? Would it us? have been Rusha or would it have been... Um, Oh, maybe I saw that she was speaking or, at your event, and then I then came to, probably looked, looked yeah. you up. I just couldn't remember mm-hmm. how I began knowing you, but I I have enjoyed um, 
all your events. Yeah. Let me, let me Thanks. wind back. I love the events, but as an introvert, I hated it. Sometimes I just wanted to sit at the table by myself before I before uh -huh. I would, you know, get the guts to go and 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 network. Because that's one thing that I struggled with as an introvert was networking with others. And you forced me to get out of my out of my comfort zone. But um you you really have some heavy hitters and some great speakers and guests and presenters that come through the club room. How are you finding these people? Uh, it's just, it's, it's literally just, um, it's, it's asking, um, you know, it's uh, like, for example, um, you know, I've, if I have like an athlete on and I'll just, I'll just ask them, like, Hey, do you have any friends or other teammates that you think uh, okay. would want to be on? I'll give you a quick example. I had, um, in the, I did an Olympic event a couple of, um, um, a couple of weeks ago, and one of them, I just asked this one guy, Ruben Gonzalez, who's a Olympic loser, um, and he's, he's been in four different Winter Olympics. And I asked him, look, who, you know, what, do you have any other friends that would love to be on that, would love to join? He goes, oh, well, let me ask Leah. And Leah Miko is a three-time Olympic gold medalist in softball. And she was like, yeah, I'd love to. So she was on. And now I'm, I just asked her if she would reach out to some of her teammates and we'll do a USA softball event in a month or so. She says, yeah, I know Jen Finch. I know like all the biggest names in USA softball history. I'm like, oh, sweet. Wow. So it's just a question of just if you give them an experience that they enjoy doing, where they feel that they're in a position that they're being allowed to provide value and provide some, um, you know, some teaching and, I mean, look, one of the things that uh, a reason why an athlete will do these is they they see it as an opportunity to showcase their speaking abilities and to be able to maybe get other gigs themselves this way. So you're giving them a platform that they can advance their their business and their um, what they're doing. So uh, I think you're going to find that I'd be stunned if anybody says, no, I'm too busy. I think they may say, well, I'm busy now, but let's set a date or something. But I believe that, you know, and look, I've met a lot of athletes on LinkedIn even where, you know, I just, I'll type in major league baseball or WNBA or something in the thing and it'll pop up all the people. And then I'll just send them a personalized invitation. And I might say, and I used to say like, listen, I'm the host of the make your mark podcast. I think you'd be a fantastic guest. I'd love to focus on your experience with your transition from your sport to what you're doing now and talk a little bit more about what you're doing now. Let's have a conversation about it. And some people would ignore it and others would accept it. And I didn't worry about the ones that ignored it. I was happy to chat with the ones that accepted. So that to me is a great way Val to um, certainly grow your audience and grow your um, guest list and uh, really get the word out. Okay. You're a pro at that for sure. Well, done for a couple of, couple of minutes here and there. Yeah. I feel like I haven't seen you in like decades, but it's only been, well, this has been the longest two years in the history of mankind. It, it really but, has. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I joked with somebody else. I said, you know, that in high school or whenever when you learn about the different eras there's the christ you know the whatever the different eras right and i said well there's pre pre-cambrian but there's also pre-covid which happened like 600 years ago you know i don't even know it's been a while but um no i know it has well welcome back i'm glad you reached out i really am 
and yeah, uh, well, I I'm excited email. to see. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited to hear and see that you know your upcoming guests and when they come out. And obviously, I'm I'm happy to help however I can. I think that you know I think that your your heart's in the right place and your mission is a very good one. I think that it's um, it's so important for especially kids and young adults to have strong mentors and strong, you know, role models to look up to. And I know that that's something that's, that's close to you and, and what you do. And I think that uh, going forward, the more we can get um, kids and young adults to consider being athletes and playing sports versus doing other stuff they shouldn't do. And even if it's, video gaming versus whatever. It doesn't need to be bad stuff, but stuff that keeps them active. I find that, uh, you know, an athlete or a former athlete makes a very, very positive, strong impression on whatever they do. And um, so anything we can do to help kids go that direction, I think is a great thing. So the more you can talk about it, the best, you know, best for everybody. Well, let's, I want you to put your coach's hat on right now. And my question is, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to an 18-year-old student athlete? The most important thing, I think, is to um, not to be intimidated by older people hmm. and to just have conversations with them. I can, I can say that anybody, whether they're 22, 32, 42, 102, loves to give advice. And if an 18-year-old is asking even a 22-year-old, hey, what was it like to graduate? What was it like to, you know, be a senior? What was that? And just ask advice. Ask, ask, ask. And make connections. You know, start developing relationships with people, even if they're acting as mentors or advisors. But to me, I think something I, I wish I'd done more of when I was that age was actually develop a network and connections with people that were older and more influential because they're always happy to help. They're always happy to give advice. I, I don't know anybody that says, you know, if I said, you know, Val, can you give me advice on how to, you know, dribble without looking at the basketball? I'm pretty sure you'd say, oh, well, here's how you do it. You won't say, get lost. I don't want to talk to you. No, you, of course you'll want to. I mean, almost everybody wants to help with that. So that's it. It's, you know, don't be afraid to ask advice from anybody and start developing a network of people that can really benefit you as, as time goes on. Awesome advice. And I'm, I'm constantly picking random people's brains all the time, reaching out. Not stalking, but reaching out to people. I'm like, hey, I saw you on TV. Can I ask you a few questions? So not being afraid. And most of the time, I, I haven't, I've never had anyone say no. I've never had anyone say no. So um, that's. Well, one of the things in my book I talk about, one of my little chapters and so forth, is I say, you know, I, I, th I always say the word help is a four letter word. I say, never ask for help, always ask for advice. Nobody likes to give help or they, they, they run. Like I, I remember when I was younger and, you know, I, I was at the age where all my buddies, whenever they'd move apartments, they'd always say like, Hey, Mark, you know, what are you doing this weekend? And I'd be like, Oh, we're going to the beach or something. No, I'm moving apartments. Can you help? So I'm like, Oh man, why did I ask? So 
um, you know, when someone asks for help, I always flash back to thinking, oh, no, they're going to ask me to move a couch or something. So I shy away from it. But if they say, Mark, I'd love your advice on something. Well, heck, yeah. I got all day to give you advice. So that's why I always tell people, don't ask for help. Always ask for advice. Good stuff. Well, we are in this section now that's the rapid fire. Totally random questions that have nothing to do with anything. But stuff okay. I'm curious about. All right. Okay. First question, do you put salt or sugar in your grits? Oh, uh, salt. I'm a salt yes. person. Thank you. Does <laughs> pineapple belong on pizza? No way. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I can't. I don't understand I don't the pineapple. In a drink. Yes. Um, <laughs> who was your high school celebrity crush? Oh, um, Christy Brinkley. Oh, okay. And that's, You're dating. Look, I'm a little bit older, but she You're was dating a, yourself. You know, a swimsuit model back then. I know. All right. That, that's a true story. <laughs> and I'm also in Farrah Fawcett. I'm also dating myself yeah. there with that. Mine was, um, no, middle school was Michael Jackson. I can't think of high school. Um, do you have any hidden talents? They're not hidden. No, I... Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a musician, and I no one really knows it, but I play guitar and, and the piano, and uh, and also I my other talent is that um, I can throw a snowball really far. Really? Oh yeah. But not a baseball, like just a snowball. No, I can throw a baseball too. But I mean, I impressed the doorman here in New York City because I across the street from our building is a, a garage, a parking garage, and you know I'm I'm a little bit older, I'm over fifty, and so the guy was like you know, kind of laughing at me saying, yeah, I couldn't even get across the street. Ah. And I said, oh, yeah. And I I, keyed, I hit like the seventh floor, you know, the, the structure across the way. And so now we, we joke all the time about I'm looking forward to the next snow so we can I can do the snowball challenge again. Snowball challenge. There you got to go. show these young people what's up. Always questioning no us. No kidding. No kidding. Right, candy, that right. candy, what'd you say? I said you got that right. Spot on. Yeah. Spot on. Uh, candy corn, nope or dope? Nope. Nope. All Disgusting. right. Disgusting. <laughs> I didn't realize people didn't like candy corn until I started asking people. I love candy corn. I don't know why. Just like I like liver and onions. We all have our things that we, we grew up with. Oh dear God, that was my yeah. My mom made that all the time, and that was the that was the night where I'd eat all the vegetables because I couldn't stand the. <laughs> I love I'm, I'm sorry. All right. Speaking of food, if you had to eat one thing for every meal, what would you eat? Well, so you're not going to know what this is because I'm my heritage is actually Middle Eastern, and my relatives would often make something called molohea. Molohea is the short version; is it's sort of like kind of like a spinachy stuff that's mixed in with chicken and rice and onions like uh, red onions and vinegar and it's this weird concoction that is insanely good and um i wish i knew how to make it and one day i'll have to learn how to make it because it's a it's a special type of leaf it's not really spinach doesn't have that taste but it's it's so amazing that and then anything i used to also love having lamb with everything like i love, I love lamb. lamb they're so cute though i felt bad well, when i saw cute you know, they were i'm not what um can you find that dish in new york no 
No. I don't think so. I, I think I'd have to go to like Astoria, Queens or some, I don't know where. I I know that there's a, I, I actually look online to see where you can buy the frozen leaves. It's actually called monksweed or something like that, leaves to, to make it. And it's like, it's impossible to find. But when I go see my, when my aunts were alive, they'd make it when we'd go out to LA, you know, where they lived and stuff. And so they've passed it on to my cousins. So they, they make it, but it's, um, it's different when the aunts did where, you know, and my mom. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways. Okay. Next question. What person did or lie would you want to sit down and have coffee with? Well, um, I love it that you're asking that question because I, I used to ask the same question on my podcast, but I'd say three people because I, I wanted to make it a little bit harder or easier or something. But my my person actually is Paul McCartney of the Beatles. Seriously? Because um, absolutely. I've, I'm so fascinated with the musicianship and what they accomplished in such a short window of time. People seem to forget that they were only together for six years. And they recorded over 200 songs. And these were completely changing the world of music. And these were just, you know, four dudes from Liverpool. They were, they weren't, they didn't go to music school. They were just dudes hanging out. And just the magic that went into creating that music in just such a short period of time is, is still, is so remarkable to me. And he's, he's, you know, obviously he's still alive. He's pushing 80 and he's going to be touring again this coming year. Hmm. And Wow. Still fills the stadiums and still wow. makes people laugh and cry and everything else. And the music's been passed down through the generation. So if I, I, I would be thrilled if I had a chance to hang out with him for an hour. So, so Val, go make friends with him and hook him up for me. I know. I know. Is he still married? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, he is. Uh, he, he married, um, I mean, his first wife, she passed away. She had breast cancer. And then, um, but his wife now, it, I mean, they've been married for many years, but um, she's, she was like a, I'm going to get this wrong, but like in the New York state council or she was a, she's from New York. Okay. So he spends a lot of time here in New York, but I, oh. I don't see him. I don't see him. You may, <laughs> you different, may run, uh, you never zip know. Codes, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who is your favorite cartoon character? Oh, interesting. Well, it's changed a few times, but I'm, a, I'm actually a big SpongeBob fan. You are. <laughs> oh, he's so yeah. silly. SpongeBob. Well, I mean, I mean, even Patrick is you know, Patrick because he's so dumb, and I, I love. I know. That, so I love so. his voice. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I don't. Do you remember um, when you were younger watching a TV show called Coach? It was. Uh, it was. Yes. Um, it was about, I like that yeah. show. Well, do you remember the guy, the tall, doofy, like blonde, like assistant yes, coach I do. guy? Yes. That's Patrick. That's the no voice. way. That's the guy. Yeah, that's that guy. Oh wow! Puts a face to the. Yeah, I forgot that guy's name, but it's like you know some Swedish name or something. But he. I remember him. Yeah, he's. A, yeah, well, that's the, if you've listened to Patrick, that's that guy. <laughs> How about that? So <laughs> when you watch facts the- by Mark Moyer. No, I'm, now I know something new. So when you watch TV shows, do you do you binge watch all of them, or you just do one season, one episode at a time? Well, because I'm 500 years old, the term binge watching is is sort of brand new, right? We yeah. we always had to wait until the next yes. week to watch something, and that was torture. So I don't I don't do that. I mean, I look, I don't really. I, 
I, I love watching TV, but now, I mean, I tend to focus on watching sports and I watch them in fast forward sometimes, like on my TiVo, mm. um, especially when they're really crappy uh, football teams like my New York Giants. But, um, but I mean, look, we have in the past sort of done two or three episodes at a time, but we'll tape them or something and then I'll catch up like billions or something like that. Um, that's a pretty good show, but um and then now our TiVo holds 25 episodes of Seinfeld at a pop. So that's my all-time favorite show. That's your all-time favorite show? I can't think of mine. I'll think of it when I'm off of here. <laughs> What's your all-time favorite movie? Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, really? Indiana Jones. Yeah, I love He's Indiana Jones. I want to be Indiana. I mean, I, I mean, what a... What a like! What a great gig to be able to go off to far off jungles and lands to find, you know, these ancient pieces of history and all the adventures and oh, I I would be thrilled if I was able to do that. He's my guy. Yeah, I used to. Um, I've seen all the movies, even a new one, which wasn't as great, but I still watched it. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Would you rather fly or have super strength? Um, I think I'll be able to fly soon. I have a feeling we're close to that. So I'll take the super strength for $50, <laughs> uh, Alex. <laughs> All right. Would you rather travel to the past or to the future? <sighs> the past. Past. I, I think it'd be really cool to either be on that boat crossing the Potomac with George Washington or be back in, you know, really, you know, back in the days of the pharaohs or back in the days of Jesus. Like, yeah. you know, I want to know, like, personally, this is going to sound horrible, and I hope they don't strike me down from a, a pie with a stroke of lightning or something. But I was just thinking, you know, there had to be a point in time, maybe when Jesus was a teenager, and they had to be kicking a soccer ball or something. Like, I want to know what he did when he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't 24-7 preaching and and yeah. And all that stuff. I, I have to think the guy was as a young kid a and a teenager. teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Like throwing rocks at the other kids and running away and I don't know, maybe he never did, but <laughs> no, I'd want to check that out. Bully. Was Jesus no he wasn't a bully. No, he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't. <laughs> um but, oh. you know, I anyways, I should stop through that. <laughs> You're not gonna get struck. Um what what's uh, your go to karaoke song or your song in the shower? Uh, ooh, um, well, it, it's usually the last song that I heard at some point recently or something, but one of the f first songs that, so, um, karaoke came to New York in, I think somewhere in the late eighties, it was, um, and it was interesting because it was a bar that was doing it in, in near my neighborhood. So we would go in there and I actually sang, um, Paradise by the Dashboard Life by Meatloaf. And it was a super long song, but I knew the words and I was pretty fired up to try it. And of course, um, this is going to be shocking to you, Val, so I, I shouldn't even say it out loud, but um, there may have been alcohol involved. And um, <laughs> no, <laughs> hard to believe, but I'll never forget that for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't, I can't name otherwise a specific song, but I do, yeah. Mine is It's Raining Men. Oh, dear God. 
That's yes. I'm gonna tell you right now, that was my one of my least favorite songs. I'll tell you why. That was the song that when I was young and single and they play it, all the girls would run out in the dance floor and start dancing. And you know, a guy I'd wanna like I'd wanna meet girls, so I'd be like, All right, I guess I gotta go out and dance this thing. But they're like, Oh, it's raining men or whatever and I'd be like, Oh god. But I'd still go out anyway. So there was that one and then what's the one other one? There was one other one that I just dreaded hearing, but for the I will sake survive, of, maybe. Yeah, well there you go. That was the yeah, Gloria Gaynor, right? Oh my yeah. god. Can't believe I remember all these things. <laughs> I love that song for karaoke too. All right. <laughs> Last question before we go. Who do you think is sure. the greatest female athlete of all time? Oh, geez. That's a horrible question. Um, I'll tell you what. That's unfair. But let's see. Because um, there's 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 so many. Um, yeah. So I was going to put out names like Billie Jean King or um, let's see. Um, um you know what? Um, and now I'm blanking on on some of the swimmers and stuff, but there've been so many that that. It, oh, you're, yeah. that's really unfair of you. I know. Um, I'm sorry. I just I'm sorry, thought that all the people you've met, you you've had some some people top of mind. Well, look. I mean, yeah. I mean, some of the some of the great ones have been, for example, Brandy Chastain, and for example, um, you know, some of the original. Let's say even Beach beach volleyball players like Holly McPeak is, is one. Um, I know that, uh, um, you know, there've been some groundbreaking um, female hockey players. Manon Rium was the first female hockey goalie that um, played with men. That was groundbreaking back, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. So there's, there's so many, um, you know, in hoops, Candace, as you mentioned, um, that's, yeah. Oh, you know, Serena Williams, uh, the Williams sisters. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot about women's sports yeah. that you're having a hard time figuring yeah. out who to name. All right, before we go. Well, because I, no, but you can ask, but you ask me the favorite uh, a male player. I'll do the same thing. I don't same know what, who to say. Yeah. Yeah. But I got to. Where we are with women's sports is it shows like we've come so far with the, the quality and caliber of athletes that these ladies are, are just doing it. And it's hard to, you know what? I'll, I'll, I think that counter to that is that I think where women's sports are better is that it's not necessarily um, a one person league or one person team or one, you know, it's, I think there's much more of the, the, the team aspect of things like, you know, I think in hoops, you'll say, well, there's Kobe, there's LeBron, there's whatever. Um, but in women's basketball, there's standouts, but they're, they're also so good as a team. You know, you're seeing five women go go to, you know, go to score, to, to score a basket. It's not, you know, the one person, the other four are just there. Yeah, I agree. So um, before we, we go, do you have anything you want to promote or or plug? Me, of course. <laughs> no, yeah. I, uh, look, I, I know. Listen, I, I obviously really appreciate you, you inviting me on your show, and uh, I encourage any current or retired athletes or people that like to interact with athletes to consider um, checking out Win Again and the events that we hold in the club room, 
and uh, also the work that we do with with athletes really helping them transition from their sport to their next great chapter and you can see um, all of that on winagainacademy.com that's the website and you can check me out on linkedin or anywhere else on social media whether it's win again itself or me mark moyer on linkedin happy to connect with anybody and you're the best val i really appreciate your time Oh, well, thank you. Thank you you so much for hanging out with me. You're going to crush it with this. And you are going to crush it. Absolutely. Oh, you think so? That means a lot because I know how good you are at what you do. My Uh, my thing is don't try to be a perfectionist. You are good. I love being on your show. I hope you bring it back if you have time. It's the the size of the heart that matters. That's true. Well, thank you, Mark. Um, you know, I love you and I'm going to get to some of your events. I just been, um, having trouble with productivity and my day has been getting more and more busy, but, um, I appreciate you and, um, I'll see you around. All right. Thanks so much, Val. Appreciate it. Look around. You can find cars like these on auto trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.